Episode 46, How to Live Like a Lottery Winner Without Buying a Ticket. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. The entertainment mogul David Geffen once said, People who think money will buy you happiness have never had any money. I get that idea. Certainly we've seen evidence of celebrities and people who have amassed a huge amount of wealth but weren't happy. But it still didn't stop me from throwing down my $20 and getting a Mega Millions quick pick ticket last week in the lottery drawing. And my guess is it didn't stop you either. Hello and welcome back everybody to Life Amplified. It was lottery fever here in the United States there for about a week and a half. Not only the $1.6 billion jackpot in Mega Millions that somebody in South Carolina won, but there was that separate $800 million prize with Powerball where there was two winning tickets in New York. And as I heard more and more people talking about the lottery, I did a poll on my Instagram page, which if you would love to connect with me on Instagram, I would love to be friends with you. You can find me at CSC, Dan Mason. But I asked you, what would be the first thing you would do if you want a huge amount of money in the lottery? And we'll do this family feud style. The top six answers are on the board. The number one answer that came up for people was they would invest that money and put it aside for a rainy day. Number two, people said they would peace out from their job and go do something more meaningful with their life. Number three, you said that you would help other people. Number four, pay off debt. Number five, spend more time with loved ones and creating special experiences with the people that you love. And number six, you said you would pamper yourself and do something nice for you. All beautiful answers. I don't think there's anything wrong with those. But here's what's interesting and the thing that stood out to me as I read your responses. Why would you wait until you win the lottery before you create all these things that would bring more happiness to your life? You know, really, my work as a coach is about getting you to not outsource your power and give it away to other people. If you're waiting to win the lottery before you really start to create the wealth, both financially and emotionally, that you want, you're going to be waiting forever. I mean, we have to be real and be practical about it. I'm all for the secret, but there's a one in 259 million shot that you will win the lottery in this lifetime. In fact, the odds are better that you would be struck by the same bolt of lightning twice than winning the lottery. So we're really taking our power away if we're waiting to come into the windfall of money before we take action. And number two, when you think about the people who fantasize about winning the lottery, it really presupposes that money will make your life significantly better. And we've seen research study after research study, which tells us that is simply not the case. So really, the title of this episode about how to live like a lottery winner without buying a ticket, it's a little clickbaity because my great wish for you is that you never live like one of the lottery winners. If you look at the statistics, 70% of them go broke or end up dead within 10 years of winning the jackpot. Now, why would that be? I believe it comes down to this. Most of us think that having more money will make our problems go away when in fact, coming into a huge amount of money can almost be a magnifying glass. It can amplify the existing thought systems, beliefs, and patterns of behavior that are keeping 
keeping you stuck in the first place. If you are a person who struggles to say no, if you can't set a boundary and you feel that the people in your life are taking advantage of you, if you win the lottery, there's 1.6 billion more reasons people will show up and take advantage of you. You're going to be hearing from relatives you haven't heard from in 30 years knocking on the door saying, hey, where's my piece of it? Remember that time that we threw the baseball together when we were kids? And for many lottery winners, if they're struggling to say no, it makes it easy for them to burn through their winnings. If you're a person who struggles with addiction, now there's a billion more reasons you can go out and buy even better drugs to stay addicted. If you're a person who struggles to make relationships and you isolate in your life, all of a sudden, coming into this wealth is going to make you isolate more. You're going to think people are out to get your money or if you quit working, you're going to find yourself at home sitting on piles of money but not connecting with anybody because all the people in your life are still out doing the nine to five. They're still out working toward their next goal. And certainly if you're a person who believes that you're not enough and that you need to get the next material possession to prove somehow you're worth to the world, you're going to burn through that money quickly. You can buy yourself a whole island somewhere but it's not going to help your own feelings of self-worth. So when we look at the people who've achieved massive financial wealth and emotional wealth, they really handle that money differently. Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, these are guys, even with the billions of dollars they have, they typically don't live above their means. Mark Zuckerberg still driving the same $30,000 Volkswagen GTI. He's not out spending a half million dollars on the top of the line Mercedes. Warren Buffett still living in in the same home that he bought in 1952 in Omaha, Nebraska. They don't dress like they're headed to fashion week. Zuckerberg's always got the same t-shirt and pair of jeans anytime I've ever seen him on television. And that doesn't mean that they're not taking care of themselves and their families. I'm sure they go on wonderful vacations. I'm sure they're able to create special experiences that most of us could only dream about. But they take care of themselves first. They make sure their tank is filled up. And then they give to others from a place of overflow. You know, there's no feeling of anxiety or anxiousness in their giving. Have you ever had people show up and they ask you for either your time or ask for money and you find yourself doing it because you're almost afraid of what they're going to say to you if you say no? That's an unhealthy way to approach giving. It should feel joyous. It should feel easy and effortless. And certainly we've seen that with people like Bill Gates. The only reason he's not the richest man in the world anymore is because he gave most of his fortune away. So that is my intention for this episode. Today, How can you build financial wealth like a lottery winner, but also keep a sense of emotional wealth? Here is my intention for our time together today. I want to give you what all the research says about the correlation between money and happiness and really money and the lack of happiness. We'll tell you what that line is where money ceases to make a difference in your life. We'll also tell you what scholars are saying is the real reason behind why we're never satisfied with the income that we have. Have you ever noticed that you get a pay raise or you make it to the next level and then you just strive to get more? Why is that? We'll explain that phenomenon coming up on this episode. And if you want to use the money that you currently have to become happier, it's important to know what are the driving factors that that create happiness in human beings. I'll explain to you the top four things you should focus on. And what about the secrets of the people who earned a fortune the old-fashioned way? What can we learn from them? I'm going to give you the top eight habits of the world's healthiest people in this episode and tell you how you can emulate it to create more financial and emotional wealth. 
If you want to create a financial life amplified, this is the episode for you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. So we've seen data similar to this before, but there's a brand new analysis that was published in a journal called Nature Human Behavior earlier this year. They surveyed 1.7 million people across 164 countries, and they put a price on emotional well-being. And would you believe that that price is between sixty dollars and $75,000 a year? And this is consistent with the other data that we've seen, that about seventy-five dollars becomes that cutoff where researchers can no longer distinguish between your bank account and the amount of happiness that you experience. If you take a person making $20,000 annually and you increase their salary to $50,000, there is direct evidence that says their happiness will double during that time. However, if you double up from $50,000 to $100,000, all of a sudden, the increase in happiness becomes much more slight. And in fact, there's another study we've seen from Purdue University that found it may be possible to make too much money when it comes to your happiness. Believe it or not, if you're making over $95,000 a year, the researchers say that leads to unhealthy social comparisons and unfulfilling material pursuits. They've actually done studies where they've looked at people making the same exact salary at about $100,000 a year, except one person lived in what was considered to be an affluent neighborhood. The other person was living more at their means in a nice middle-class neighborhood. The person living in the affluent neighborhood, even though they made the same amount of money, was far unhappier in the data because they found themselves comparing their success to that of their neighbors. They felt like they needed to get the bigger house. They feel like they needed to get the nicer car. Meanwhile, the person who was just surrounding themselves with other people who were at the same level that they were at socially and financially didn't notice a difference. Now, I could do an entire episode, and perhaps we will in the future, about how not to compare yourself to other people, but it's such a slippery slope to go down when you're living in that comparison game. Because think about it, there is always going to be somebody who is making more money, has a nicer car, a more attractive significant other, has all the bells and whistles at a newer iPhone. There's always going to be somebody who is further ahead than you. So, you know, we really want to make this a comparison to how are you doing versus where you were this time last year? Where are you at right now financially versus three years ago? five years ago. Because life is long, and at the end of the day, the only competition that you're in is with yourself. And it's a fascinating phenomenon that scientists have tried to get clear on. Why are human beings never satisfied? We believe that making more money will lead to more happiness. We believe having nicer toys will make us happier. You know where I do this in my life? Every time there's a new iPhone out. I always think every new iPhone model is going to be the one that changes my life forever. And then I get the iPhone and I'm like, eh, this is really no different than the last model I had. What did I spend all this money for? But there's actually a scientific term used for this phenomenon of reaching a new level and then finding yourself unhappy again and looking for the next big thing. It's called the hedonic treadmill. And what the theory states is that human beings are adaptable. We know this. And it's a beautiful thing, right? It's helped us survive plagues and war. It's helped us uh, in our evolution from the time we were cavemen to where we're at right now. But because we're so adaptable, we can quickly adjust ourselves and our expectations to the new 
new wealth that we create. Think about it. If you get a pay raise and you're making $25,000 a year and now you don't have to go out to the Red Lobster with the family eating that freezer burned stuff that's been sitting in a freezer for three years, but you can afford to go eat a fresh Maine lobster at that five-star restaurant, that's an indulgence at first. It's very exciting that you can go out and afford to do those things, but very quickly our psyches are such that it becomes an expectation. It's no longer special. You may spend years fantasizing about driving the porch, but within three months, the new car smell wears off, and then you're dreaming of the newer BMW. So as it comes to wealth management, if you come into a large pay raise or a huge amount of money, what the researchers say is you should spread that wealth out over time. Don't spend it all in one place. Maybe do a series of smaller things for yourself that bring, you know, new joy and make you feel like you're moving forward, but don't blow it all in one place because that happiness, the joy, the dopamine, the oxytocin release of getting stuff never really lasts for long. Now, here is the good thing. Here's the upside of the hedonic treadmill. It also means that if we encounter a setback along the way, we can quickly adjust to that new reality as well. If you lose your job or if you have to go on a tighter budget, yeah, it sucks not to have the extravagances or do all the things that you were used to, but you can very quickly become adjusted to that as well. So the hedonic treadmill essentially tells us why stuff never makes us happy long term. And that brings us to the second point today, that if you want to know how to use the money that you have in your life to become happier, wouldn't it be great to be clear on what are the things that make us happy? We've got so much data and so much research on this. And these things might not surprise you, by the way, but isn't it funny how a lot of these things we value less and sometimes we push them to the side so that we can work harder and longer in the pursuit of higher income. So many people People come to me and they say, Dan, I'm working so hard. I'm so burned out. I don't even have time for my friends. But yet people is the number one factor that determines our happiness in life. The University of Chicago did a study that said people who have five or more close friends are likely to describe themselves as extremely happy. Meanwhile, people with smaller social circles report more incidences of depression. So what if you quit investing so much money and keeping up with the Joneses and started investing another important resource, your time, and invested it with people who lift you up, who make you feel good, who bring joy and connection into your life? The second factor that determines people's happiness is not just your social life, but your love life. People in happy, stable, committed relationships tend to be happier. Now, this, of course, uh, creates a point about you have to choose wisely. You know, the number one thing that determines the outcome of your romantic relationships is not money. It's not shared interests. It's not common values. It's just choosing the right partner. You know, if you choose the wrong person, then you're headed for divorce, and we know that that can cause all sorts of strain and unhappiness in your life. But allowing yourself to be open to deeper, more loving, romantic relationships in your life is a huge factor that determines your happiness. The number three factor that makes you happy is focusing on experiences and not things. Now, we already covered this earlier in the podcast. We know that the fascination, the novelty of getting more stuff wears off quickly, but memories that we have tend to blossom over time. They don't diminish. 
Spanish. You know, when you think about that trip that you took across Europe, you don't think about being stuck in the customs line and everything that went wrong. You don't think about, you know, losing your credit card while you were in the middle of France. You focus on seeing the Eiffel Tower. You focus on the gondola ride that you took in Italy. Those are the memories that even if they weren't that great in the moment, we romanticize them and embellish them. And they bring us a lot of joy when we go back and reminisce on that. And finally, the fourth contributing factor that creates to drastically increased happiness in our lives are when we're doing things that create a state of flow. A flow state, we've discussed this before, it's where you are so involved in the work at hand that time flies by quickly. Four hours can go by and feel like 20 minutes. But the key to doing things that put us in a flow state is to do work that interests us, to create hobbies and activities away from work that interests us. If you feel like you're just in a super repetitive job or you're doing the same project, dealing with the same clients, seeing the same people over and over, and there's no variety or stimulation, and it's not really tapping into your inherent gifts, that is a huge drain. On happiness. And certainly it's a topic that I've covered ad nauseum over the course of the last year with you is how do you find a purpose-driven career? How do you connect to your unique calling? How do you find your dream and bring it to life? But what I want to do today is address one of the number one complaints I hear from people even when they identify that next level for their life. It's, Dan, I have no time. I can't pursue it. And that's why I'm so excited to share these next eight action steps with you today. Because if you're serious about creating a life where you do have more financial and emotional wealth, remember all the money in the world is meaningless if you're not feeling positive emotions on a day-to-day basis. A lot of people live in this either-or universe. They think I can either go to this soul-sucking job I have and I can make money and I can keep my family secure or I can do work I love. And, you know, it's one of the things I've talked about is I don't believe you and I live in an either-or universe. I believe this is a yes-and universe, that you do get to have it all. Yes, You can support your family, you can be financially free, and you can simultaneously be pursuing your life's calling. You don't have to choose one or the other, but it does force us to adjust this conversation away from the investment of money because money will come and go. Money goes up and down. We're seeing it with the stock market fluctuations that are happening. So money will go away sometimes, but it will always come back. There's an ebb and flow. But the one resource that is finite that you never get back is time. So how can we begin to incorporate tools and strategies that will help us maximize our time in ways that build financial and emotional wealth? And what I'm about to share with you are the eight top habits of the world's wealthiest people. And if you can start to incorporate this into your life, I guarantee 2019 is going to be a year of massive transformation for you. The number one habit of the world's wealthiest people is they know what their time is worth, they put a dollar figure on it, and they don't waste time doing things that come in under that dollar figure. I was recently just having uh, lunch with a good friend who's also a coach and an entrepreneur over the weekend, and she's a year or two behind me in her business growth. She's doing really well, but she's trying to get to that next level. And I asked her, and this is an exercise that you can do as well, what is the yearly income that 
that she would like to make in 2019. So we created that dollar amount, which for purposes of this conversation, let's just say that you want to make $100,000 a year next year. Now divide that by the number of weeks that you want to work. Now, many people who go on an entrepreneur path aren't interested in working 50 weeks a year and taking two weeks vacation. For my friend, she wanted to only work 42 weeks next year. So we divided the $100,000 by the number of weeks. Then we wanted to get clear what is the number of hours that she wants to work a week. You know, for her, it was 40. So we divided that number again and we came up with what was her hourly rate in her life. I want to say it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $80 an hour. That's what it would be for her. If she worked 40 hours a week for 42 weeks a year, it would help her reach her financial goals next year. But think about all the things that take up time in our life that we don't enjoy doing that we could outsource for less than that amount that we're valuing ourselves at. Is it not true? If you're spending an hour and a half a day straightening up around the house, picking up after your kids, doing dishes, is it not true that you could hire a housekeeper to come out once a week for less than $80 an hour to clean your house, that's a good investment. If so, that was one of the things I've invested in this year. I also pay to have my laundry done because I just don't want to spend the three hours with a washer and a dryer and folding stuff and ironing it. I ship all that out. Here in New York City, I can get all my laundry done for the week for $26. That's a wonderful investment because really, instead of investing in stuff that won't make me happy, I'm investing in things things that open up more time into my schedule. And with more time, I can be more creative. I can come up with more podcast content. I can serve more clients and ultimately I can make more money. That's why I pay producer Matt to edit this podcast every week. It saves me from my own perfectionism and obsessing over every single line and breath and wasting four hours trying to edit the podcast. I let producer Matt do it. I pay him fair market value for it. And ultimately that gives me another five hours a week. But between hiring a housekeeper every week and between having my laundry done, for me. That money, the upfront cost that I'm spending per week, I've made back in multiples because of the amount of time that I have freed up. So what if you made a committed decision today that rather than investing in the next car or the pair of shoes that won't even be in style a year from now, instead of investing in the handbag, what if you invested in the things that created more time? Because if you could create 10 hours a week in your schedule, what could you do with that? Would it give you more time to work out? Would it give you more time with your family and your loved ones? Would it give you time to put yourself out there on the dating scene again if you're a single person? Would it give you time to build the business of your dreams so you can get off the corporate hamster wheel? This strategy, more than anything, can change your life in 2019. The second strategy of the wealthy that I think could absolutely transform your life is watch less TV. Did you realize the average American watches three hours of television a night? How much are you sitting there obsessing over all the negative headlines in the news? How much time are you wasting binge-watching Netflix? January of this year was the year that I cut the cord with cable. And it's not that I don't watch TV at all. I still love my NFL Sundays, and I will make that a priority in my life because it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy playing my fantasy football league. And I've invested in Fubo TV, which is the online streaming service, so I can make sure I can watch an NBA basketball game here and there. But I have not watched a season of 
anything on Netflix and I don't know how long. I don't watch the news. I do take 30 minutes a day to go to news websites so I can be informed. But I have freed up so much time in my life and I don't think it's an accident that 2018 is my highest earning year as an adult because I just cut out the garbage out of my life. 67% of wealthy people say they watch TV less than one hour a day. Meanwhile, nearly 75% of the world says they're watching three hours a day. And most people, when asked about three TV shows they've watched that have fundamentally improved their life, they can't name the shows. So look, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, it's great. I enjoy a little bit of Big Brother in the summer from time to time on CBS. But again, what are better uses for that time? Could you become a cord cutter in 2019? Would you be willing to take the risk? By the way, as I get through these strategies, I would love to hear your feedback on what you're going to commit to. Even if you just took one step and made that a commitment starting right now, why even wait till 2019? Join our private Facebook group for the Life Amplified community. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, but I would love to continue this conversation because really the 2019 that you want to create starts today with the decisions that you're making right now. Habit number three of the world's wealthiest people, they read. 88% of wealthy people read every day a minimum of 30 minutes, and they're not reading trashy fiction novels. They're reading books that will teach them, educate them, and somehow enhance their career. Only 2% of people who are struggling financially say they read daily, and when they do, it's usually magazine or fiction novels. What is an ebook that you could download? Could you spend some time reading that in the morning to feed your mind in a positive way? Habit number four of the world's wealthiest people, they stay fit. 75% of wealthy people say they exercise aerobically a minimum of four times a week. Fewer than one in four people who are struggling financially do. And here, you know, diet plays a big role in our health. Trust me, I've spent a fortune in personal training, but I still like to eat cookies. And then I wonder why I'm not losing my little cookie pouch here. You know, my little spare tire. Like, my arms look great, my pegs look great, but nope, still got my cookie pouch up front. So I am really making this my commitment through the end of the year is I'm cutting out all processed sugar. But 97% of people who are struggling financially are eating more than 300 junk food calories daily, as opposed to the 70% of wealthy people who eat less than 300 calories a day from junk food. I think the one exception to the rule is... Warren Buffett, actually. He still eats like he's a six-year-old. He starts out each day with a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit from McDonald's, still loves to eat Oreos. Even his daughters at this point have said, like, dad's diet is kind of embarrassing. So take it for what it's worth. Warren Buffett is the outlier in that data. But could you make a commitment to a healthier physical body? Because when you feel better, you typically show up with more energy, and it has an impact across all aspects of your life. Here we go. Number five, success tip to help you move forward and build more emotional and financial wealth in 2019. Wake up earlier. Did you realize most wealthy, successful people are early risers? They get up by as much as three hours earlier than the average person. My mentor is an insane maniac about this. Like, you'll see him up on Instagram screenshotting his alarm when it goes off at 4.45 in the morning. That's when he gets up and starts writing and starts exercising. For me, 6 a.m. is about as early as I can get. But this is when your brain, we talked about this in the last episode, this is when your brain is 
most vital. This is when you have the biggest capacity to get the most work done. So if you can get to bed earlier, if you can wake up earlier, the goal that we want to do here is to get one important task done before you even leave for work. Could be a matter of exercising, it could be goal setting, creating your schedule, planning the day, it could be a more spiritual practice like meditation. But if you can wake up earlier in the morning and get at least one important thing done, you've already won the day. The number six habit of the world's wealthiest people, they never stop learning. They are lifelong students. 86% of wealthy people believe in lifelong education versus just 26% of the people who are struggling financially. 63% of wealthy people listen to audiobooks during their commutes as opposed to 23% of the people who are struggling. Podcasts could be a great way too. In fact, you already have great taste in podcasts because you're listening to this one. It warms my heart. Thank you so much for the support. But you want to be in a student and in a learning mindset, keeping a sense of curiosity always, you know, whether that is taking an online course, whether that is going back to school, maybe it's, you know, signing up and working with a coach or a therapist. We'll get into that step coming up in just a moment. Number seven, habits of the world's most successful people. They stay married to one person person. Marriage, believe it or not, is a pretty important component of being wealthy, both emotionally and financially. And despite the popular misconceptions, most wealthy people marry one person for life. And that could be because divorce is costly and disruptive to wealth creation. And it could also be that the number one thing most couples fight about is money. So if you are really keeping a wealth mindset and you're doing the things to be generative with more cash in your life, it takes away the number one factor that you and your spouse would argue. So choose your spouse wisely. Don't rush into marriage. Don't do what I did back in 2011. Use friends and family to meet people. Look for reputable online apps. Sheryl Sandberg, by the way, CEO of Facebook, actually says the choice of a spouse is the most important decision one can make in life. So allow yourself to have love but just choose wisely. And finally, the final step, if you're looking to build emotional and financial wealth, if you really want to live that lottery jackpot lifestyle without buying a ticket, you have to develop emotional intelligence. People with a high emotional IQ make more money than their peers, and that's regardless of education or IQ. I mean, my mentor has a multi-seven-figure business. He's a college dropout, by the way. So what does emotional intelligence look like? Well, it means more self-awareness. Awareness. It means knowing who you are, not just what you do every day, but who are you? It's a tough question to answer, and it requires a fair amount of self-reflection, but you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses. You need to be tapped in not just to the same skill set that's helped you in corporate America, but what are your true gifts? What are the innate talents that you were born with, which many of us disconnect from those gifts early in life because we were told we can't make a living using that part of ourselves, but we when you really have that emotional IQ, you can have higher levels of self-confidence and self-confident people absolutely make more money. You know, Warren Buffett says the difference between the successful and the super successful is learning to say no to anything that doesn't move you in the right direction of your goals in life. But so many people struggle because they don't have specific goals. Again, having a coach, a mentor, somebody in your life to help you tap into this part of yourself, help you get clear on what you're here to give and how to move forward, so important. And of course, uh, having emotional IQ also means 
learning some control and not allowing the unpleasant emotions that come up to rule your life. I don't know where you're at right now financially, emotionally, or spiritually. You know, we got people who are listening to this podcast in 40 countries. But what I can tell you is that if you are broke, if you are struggling in a first world economy, and this comes from Dave Ramsey, he says the only variable that you can personally control is you. So stop waiting for that lottery ticket to come in. Stop waiting for somebody just to show up and give you the opportunity. Life is about creating your own opportunities. I've had to learn this the hard way over the last three years, and part of why I do this content and why I provide this service for you each week is to help you speed up the process so that you don't have to struggle the way that I did to get your dreams off the ground. And if you need some more information, if you need some additional support, if you want to start mapping out your 2019 right now, I've got a number of ways you and I can work together. I do have a couple spots open for my VIP two-day intensives. There's a chance for you and I to get together in Orlando in November, or you can come here to my city, New York City, and we can spend two days together in Manhattan, but we will map out your 2019 and make it the most epic year ever. I also have a couple clients graduating, which means there's a couple spots opening up in my VIP one-on-one coaching programs where you can have ongoing additional support to really set you up for success. But there really is no reason that you need to be stuck a day longer. And whatever the circumstances of your life up until now, do not dictate your future moving forward. So go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. Let me know how I can best serve you. And if you love the content this week, my only ask is that you share this with a friend. Please screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You know, I'm not spending a bunch of money on Facebook ads to promote this message. We've really just built this platform organically. So your help sharing this content with the people that you love means the world to me. And if you're moved to do so, those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple really help us with the algorithm and get this podcast in front of more people. So if you are enjoying what you're hearing, if you've been binging on episodes, please leave a comment, a few kind words, and share this with the people that you love. As always, it is my deepest honor and privilege to serve you. I hope that this message inspires you to think differently. Financial wealth is great. I want it just like you do, but emotional wealth is the name of the game, and you don't have to choose. You can have both. So in the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I love you, and I'll talk to you next week.